Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Yep, that, that was that was totally unpracticed. That song is by a band called War. And today, hello everyone, you're watching slash listening to the podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And War is the name of the podcast today. It's the War of the Spark Set Review. We're off to a rough start. We just recorded an hour and a half just talking about the Planeswalkers. We don't know what order it's going to come out in yet, but we're going to have two episodes total for War of the Spark. It's almost here. The cards look insane. One of the coolest sets for Magic and probably for Commander we've ever seen since the beginning of the show. Yeah, definitely. That's why there are two episodes for the set review because there were so many cool cards we wanted to talk about. We couldn't fit it into one. Mm -hmm. So you're going to hear about a bunch of cards. This is going to be the non-Planeswalker cards from War of the Spark. If you want to get your hands on any of those or the Planeswalkers or just a booster box or something else, you can go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you use that affiliate link... When you order your card, are you smelling them? You get the new card smell. That's true. That's and true. the, I guess, somewhat used card smell. But they're new enough because it's from more than Spark. So it's still going to smell great. <laughs> if you want to get that new card smell for yourself, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You're going to buy magic cards anyway. Just use the affiliate link when you do. And you really are keeping all of our content going. And while you're there or at your local games or purchase some Ultra Pro products, they got the relic tokens. They have the playmats that are all themed with the planeswalkers from more of the Spark, as well as just lots of magic sets in the past. Amazing art on your playmat. You get to theme your deck, theme the way you play, and just feel cooler when you play at the table with their dice. All the stuff that they make. There are a bunch of like the two color combinations, the guilds that aren't, you know, we're still on Ravnica also. Mm-hmm. So you might want like if you're going to build Feather, for example, which we Boros. both are, you're going to want yeah. those Boros sleeves and the Boros text box, yeah. etc. And the final way 
to support all of our content is directly. If you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you can contribute to us. You get to see game nights before anybody else. And you also get to chat with us on our Discord server, depending on what uh, Patreon tier you're at. We're in there each and every day now Mm -hmm. chatting with everybody, which I really enjoy. And we also shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to... Shay Ridgeway. Bum, 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 bum. Sounds like an address. Where do you live? Uh, Shay Ridgeway. Shay Ridgeway. Also, Shay, your name rhymes, which is cool. Yeah, and you rock. Oh, geez. I, for- I forgot to say it. I'm sorry, Shay. But Jimmy, he had our backs. Shay Ridgeway, low rider, living on Ridgeway. You definitely rock. Okay. okay. Let's talk really quickly. We covered this in the last episode, but just in case you didn't watch it, there are only there is only one new mechanic in the set. It's called a mass. It says a mass and then a number and then you so let's say it's a mass two you would put two one one counters on an army you control if you don't control one you create a zero zero black zombie army creature token first so if you don't have an army you play a card that has a mass two you're going to create a zombie army creature token and then put two one one counters on it effectively you will have created a two two zombie army creature token but if you do already have an army creature token out and you play in a mass spell you won't create a new token. You'll just put those counters onto the already existing token. So you never really have multiple army yeah. tokens. You only have one, and it continues to grow. A single token generator, not a mass token generator. And the recurring, returning mechanic, which is very relevant to this set and in general, Commander as a whole is... Also pro- relevant to a mass. Yes, and relevant to a mass, correct, is proliferate, uh, which says... Uh, choose any number of permanent and or players, then give each another counter of each kind already there. So this is actually slightly powered up from before because if a permanent had two different types of counters on it, you could only choose one of them to, to oh. plus up. But now if it has multiple counters, you can do it two of different things. So sometimes you'll have stuff with like, I don't know, just fate counters or what have you. And as a well plus one counter. And a plus one plus yeah. one counter, yeah. So you can give it two for, you know, I don't think it actually affects magic too much. But uh, This is big in our format though because experience counters are oh, counters right. on players. Poison counters are counters on players. Right, right, right. Loyalty counters are counters. Uh, obviously plus one counters and things like that as well. So this is a sort of a big thing that's coming back into um, War of the Spark and, and mm-hmm. will be very useful to a lot of decks, Super Friends decks, but not only those. Okay, so those are the only two mechanics in the set. And it's because of the Planeswalkers, I think. The Planeswalkers add a lot of complexity, which we talked about in our last episode, and we won't really be discussing here. We might refer to them, but we're not going to be breaking those down. If you are interested and didn't catch the last episode, go back I've already, I guess I just decided that's going to be first, that episode. Okay, great. So the Planeswalkers are in that episode. Okay, so we're going to start They walk to the front. The rest of our set review for War of the Spark with the new legendary creatures, which is how we always start. And there's plenty of them. There's a bunch. Yeah. We're starting off with Tomic, Tomic, Distinguished Advocist. White, white for a 2-3 human advisor with flying. I guess he's flying. Lands, doesn't look like he he's like going to get on something to help him fly. Right, I he's guess. about to fly. Yeah. Lands on the battlefield and land cards in graveyards can't be the targets of spells or abilities your opponents control. And your opponents can't play land cards from graveyards. So goodbye, Gitrog monster esque decks. Um, he's definitely a hate bear in a lot of ways. Yes. And I think designed for modern more than anything else. A two mana, two, three flyer. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool, though. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't make him your commander. Probably not, but definitely can go in the hate bear styles decks. And those land decks, there's just a ton of them these days, and yeah. they're very powerful. So it, it, depending on your meta, it's a card you might put in the 99. Yeah, so it's interesting because it's all lands on the battlefield, so including your lands, but it only affects opponents in terms of what it can not be targeted by. 
All right, the next one is it's everyone's favorite little buddy. It's Fibblethip, the Lost. He's finally turned into a legendary creature. And Jesper Icing, uh, guest on the show before and great commander player and artist, did the art for it. He's pretty great. He's finally, well, he's still lost, but one in the blue for a 1 1 <laughs> homunculus. When Fibblethip, the Lost, enters the battlefield, draw a card. If it entered from your library or was cast from your library, draw two cards instead. And of course, one Fibblethip becomes the target of a spell. Shuffle Fibblethip into its owner's library. So if you were the maniac that wanted to make this into a deck, you could. As a mono blue commander, though, it's a little interesting. The Notably, uh, it can be the target of any spell, so you could target it yourself to get this back into your library. Okay, so there's some stuff with this. If Fibblethip is not your commander, you can sneak it into play with things like, well, not sneak it into play, but collected dot, or sorry. Collected dot company. Boy, that's our website. You can find us right collected company, the card yeah. plays it out of your library. Things like Birthing Pod, Future Sight, Future or, Sight, yeah. or Experimental Frenzy. Yeah. They look at the top card of your library and you can play it directly from there. Uh, Bolus's Citadel, which is a new card we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. There is a really cool sort of interaction with Proteus Staff. So, Proteus Staff is three mana for an artifact. You pay two and a blue and tap the Proteus Staff. You put target creature on the bottom of its owner's library. That creature's controller reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. Mm. That player puts that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of their library in any order. Activate this ability only uh, as a sorcery. Wow. So if Fibblethip is your commander and you have Proteus Staff in the deck and it's your only creature in your deck, you can activate Proteus Staff, put it on the bottom, It'll immediately search it up, put it into play. You will draw two cards because it came from the the library, and you get to order your entire library. (laughs) So you will draw, you will tutor for any two cards. Yeah, that's actually a really cool interaction. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, you have to get Proteus Staff, but blue is one of the best uh, colors at finding specific artifacts. There's War of Invention, there's Mm -hmm. Reshape, there's Fabricate, there's transmute type stuff you like, could find a probably be able to form an infinite combo pretty easily here right with the proteus staff and if you're able to untap the proteus staff and use it again then you're just drawing a lot of cards thanks to fibble them yeah i mean just double tutoring for three mana is very seems very very strong and, yeah yeah and you could and being able to do it again and again so that's kind of an interaction that's interesting uh I, I, I don't know how often we'll see it or if it's i mean if you build a deck that literally relies on these two cards i think to really make it to hum especially in mono blue which isn't as great at fetching things out from your library but i think if it in your command zone then finding proteus staff is pretty easy for blue because yeah. it has a million ways to find uh, that for sure. artifacts so if you Fibble- just have to be in mono blue <laughs> and you have to say i'm gonna let fibblethip get shuffled or put on the bottom of my yeah. library you know i could see this being in the green blue deck and you're gonna find fibblethip with the green vanifar and, yeah and then green has so like, and then you can just find a tooth and nail or whatever pod, yeah. like a million ways eldritch evolution to get it out of your library directly yeah. to play right yeah interesting card <laughs> the next one is Oh boy, how do you pronounce this? Ilharg. 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 The Raze Boar. It's three red red for a legendary boar god. It's a 6-6 six, six with trample. Very Princess Mononoke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever Ilharg attacks, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped in attacking. Return that creature to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. When Ilharg dies or is put into exile from the battlefield you may put it into its owner's library third from the top. That last part's probably unlikely to happen. Um, I guess you could. This is interesting and could potentially be very powerful because sneaking a creature directly into the battlefield, tapped and attacking is something like, um, what's the angel demon uh, dragon one? 
Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know. Kalia. Kalia, yeah, Kalia yeah, yeah, yeah. does that, but, but they don't... for specific cards. And the thing is about Raise Boy, he returns it to your hand. So sneak yeah. attack, they'll get rid of them at the end of the turn and all that. So uh, this is actually interesting. I, I have I have interest in Ilharg. Now, you don't get the attack triggers on things because it does come into play already attacking. attacking so and That's actually a Kalia <clears throat> thing that is also very specific to her card. But Kalia can only get three card types. This can get Eldrazi. You won't get Annihilator. Right. Because that's an on attack thing. But you could get, you know, some other things. Also, I think like Rune Scarred Demon just every turn. Mm-hmm. That seems pretty good. Anything with a strong enters the battlefield mm-hmm. effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're playing green, you have all sorts of creatures that do cool stuff. Even just getting an E Witness back in this way is kind of cool too, right? Sepulchral Primordial, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. One of the primordials. Um, also, you can run uh, Sundial of the Infinite. Right. And keep those creatures in play forever, right? You end the turn. You can only do it during your turn. And if you're playing blue with this, you could put Wonder in the graveyard and make sure that the creatures attacking don't uh, die. Don't die or anything. I mean, yeah. it's a 6-6. Six, six. You're always going to be able to attack somebody. With him, right? but the creature you're attacking oh, with true. might be If it's a small, small thing, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's a good point if you just want to get value. I think this is a very powerful effect. It's cheating of mana cost, like we always say. Mm-hmm. And if you're comparing it to sneak attack, well... Sneak attack is crazy good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so being able to abuse it, obviously, more effective. Next up, a new Cranko. Pretty excited about the Tin Street Kingpin. Just everyone is coming to Ravnica, I guess. Uh, every character you've heard of is like, well, I, got, I better be there. Yeah. They're like, anybody who hit anybody is going to be there. You can't miss it. Well, his flavor text, after the people flee, but before the enemy arrives, that's grabbing time. That's, so he, oh, he's, he's, a, he's a napper. Oh, he's, he's stealing a, all the stuff. He's looting, yeah. Yeah, he's smart. <laughs> two and a red for a one-two goblin. Whenever Krenko attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Then create a number of one-one red goblin creature tokens equal to Krenko's power. So this is a card that you can buff up, obviously, and make him really huge so that when he attacks and his power is really big, you get to make a lot of goblins. And he's always going to grow as he goes. So it's going to be right. two. Even if you do nothing, it's going to be two goblins, then three goblins, then yeah. four goblins on successive turns. Share Down Animosity was a card that came to mind. This is whenever a creature you control attacks, it gets plus one, plus oh until end of turn for each other attacking creature that shares a creature type with it. So it won't work on the first attack. But after that, you attack with the goblins that were made. You stack mm-hmm. it so that Share Down Animosity pumps his power first, and then he makes a bunch more. Also, this seems pretty good in the feather deck because that's going to have pump spells. Right. So you just pre-combat, play your giant growth, sorry, your brute strength type brute thing. Brute strength, yeah. Yeah, and, and you play that and give it like five power, then attack, yeah. and the pump spell comes back to your hand, so you're going to be able to do that every turn. It's either brute force or brute strength. I know that it was from Time Spiral, basically. What... There's both, I think, because... Yeah, Planar Chaos is brute force, which is exactly giant growth, which is yeah. red for plus three, plus three. Yeah, so you can do those type of cards in Feather, and you're not wasting the card, and you're getting a bunch of extra goblins that you can yeah. use with Feather. And then if you have do a Zada... Do the Path of Exile trick I was talking about. Yeah, Path yeah. of Exile trick, Zada, all those cards work very well in that case. Yep. The next card is Massacre Girl. Three, a black and a black for a 4-4 legendary creature human assassin with menace. When Massacre Girl enters the battlefield, each other creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Whenever a creature dies this turn, each creature other than Massacre Girl gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Really interesting card. You kind of, you want to like go up the chain, right? You want her to come in, kill at least one creature, and then... It's going to trigger her ability, her second part of her ability. So she'll kind of give everything negative two, negative two. And if there was... So like if there's a one drop, a two drop, and a three drop out, you're going to go up to... Yeah, one toughness, two toughness, three toughness. Yeah, sorry, not one drop. Yeah, you're right. That's going to get you all the way to negative four, negative four maybe. Yeah. Because it'll, you know, kill the one, trigger again, kill the two, two, trigger again, kill the three, three, trigger again. If there's a four, four, I mean, that's magical Christmas land, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is that you don't... You know, the creatures that die 
if you make them after the fact, they'll get minus two, minus two. So you don't even need to make a two, two to get killed by it. Like another one, one will be out because of the cards that we have here. Yeah, right. So our good buddy DJ at Jumbo Commander just did recently a sort of mini deck tech on Massacre Girl. And he had some cool ideas. So something like Forbidden Orchard, which is a land. And when you tap it for mana, you give an opponent a one, one. Mm -hmm. So that's really useful with Massacre Girl because... Not only can you put the 1-1 one, one out and then cast her and just make sure you're going to give everything negative 2, negative 2, basically. Mm -hmm. But you can also, if there's already a 1-1 one, one on the board, play Massacre Girl. That kills the 1-1. One, one. That triggers her to give everything else negative 1, negative 1 again. In response to that, tap your Forbidden right. Archer, make another 1-1. One, one. That's going to give everything 3, negative 3, basically. Yeah. I could see these just climbing up the chain really quickly. I mean... 3-3, three, 4-4, three, four, four, five, 5-5 five seem very common stats in EDH. And, and it's everything except Massacre Girl, so you don't have to worry about killing herself, right? right. So she's always going to stick around. Acorn Catapult, uh, our editor for the podcast sometimes, Murphy loves that card. Yeah. I've seen him play it a few times. That's another thing kind of like Forbidden Orchard, which would work. Pestilence, a really good card with Massacre Girl, Girl right? Yeah, you're just able to trigger it a couple of times, and all of a sudden every creature is dying. And the important part is she stays on the battlefield, so Pestilence doesn't really go away either. Right, exactly. I mean, you couldn't Pestilence for more than four because Pestilence will hit her. But at the same time, it's, her second ability is whenever a creature dies this turn, the turn she came into play. Right. So you can like play her, Nothing dies, but then Pestilence for one, that kills some 2-2s. Two then she triggers again, that kills some 3-3s. Three yeah. Now she triggers again, kills some 4-4s. Four, four, you can maybe get her there's Pestilence like, up to minus 3, minus 3, and she still stays alive. So that kind of allows you to really... To stack it, yeah. Yeah, exactly, to go up the chain. So I think she's interesting, and she's a legendary creature, so a board wipe in your command zone yeah. can be very powerful. Play some Eldrazi spawn with her. All right. Sack him for mana. What's the next card? Oh, I have to read this next one. Yeah. It's me. Again. <laughs> two red red for Neheb, Dreadhorde Champion. The number of people that ask me, hey Jimmy, what do you think about the new Heb is like more than any other card. I like set. how that card is like associated with you, but it's only because you got mana screwed with it. Yeah, well I did have my burn deck with it. My that's true, that's true, that's true, that's true. But there, yeah, yeah it's because you played Neheb three different times. Yeah. Different versions of him. Two, you have the same time. Yeah, yeah. Type. okay. This guy's a 5-4 zombie minotaur warrior with trample, and whenever Neheb deals combat damage to a player or a planeswalker, you may discard any number of cards if you do draw that many cards and add that much red mana until end of turn you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end that card is sweet this card seems really good just creating free mana is so powerful and yeah you're ending up with the same amount of cards you had mm -hmm. so like the cards words you cast it and then you draw from the number of cards in your hand and you can discard one card two cards your whole hand up to you yeah, I mean, if you're like, oh, there's one card I know I want to cast, I'm going to discard all the other ones and then draw them, and then I'm going to do that again next turn and just make five, six extra mana every yeah. turn. And he has Trample. He only has to deal combat damage, not a certain amount. So it, as far as conditions to be met are concerned, it's actually not the most difficult. And, you know, you, you could be in blue or something else where you have 20 cards in hand. Yeah. In which case, if this is creating 20 mana, you probably win that turn. True. Yeah. Give the guy a little haste. Yeah, seems pretty good. All right, the next one is... Mowu, loyal companion. So I guess Jiang Yangu's dog can grow into like a nine-tailed fox. <laughs> yeah, it has, well, only three tails, three tails here, but yeah, it does look like Kiwi if she was on steroids for about four years. Buff Kiwi. Kiwi hit the gym along with Obnixillus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've been secretly going to the gym together. <laughs> yeah, they're just gym buddies. They help each other lift. Yeah, there's, you know, Kiwi needed a spotter. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mowu is three and a green for a three-three legendary creature hound. Has oh. Trample and Vigilance. If one or more plus one, plus one counters would be put on Mowu, that many plus one, plus one, plus one counters are put there instead. So Mowu has a Hardened Scales attached to, yeah. to him or her. So he's just a buff boy. 
just going to get bigger faster. Yeah, he'll go into a 5-5 five, five the first time you have a 1-plus, one 1-plus one plus one counter. Yep. Yeah, Trample Vigilance. You know. It's fine. I don't think you're building a deck around it, no. but maybe if you have... If you like want a, the Jiang Yanggu, like, flavor win. Yeah, that's true, because it taps for mana. There, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, Feather the Redeemed is the next card, and we talked about this at length in our preview episode. This is the preview episode, uh, card for the show. Make sure you check that episode out. We spend, like, 25 minutes straight just gushing about this card. No sweet. joke. It's a red, white, white for a 3-4 legendary creature angel with flying. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile that card instead of putting it into your graveyard as it resolves. If you do, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So, very good. Yeah, if you want to hear us break down uh, everything about that, you can find our preview card episode. We go through a whole bunch of cards that will work good or good work good with it. It will work good. We'll, we'll be... Uh, Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, I did want to uh, say there's two things we didn't mention on the episode, and one was because we didn't know exactly how this works. Because you got to remember, when we're doing the preview card episode, nobody else in the world knows about the card yeah, yet, so it's rules hard to interactions. It's, so you just stay away from things you're not sure about if you can. Not that we don't still get things wrong, but flashback, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, does work with feather. So when you flash the card back, you actually get the card back into your hand after that's all said yeah. and done. So past in flames and a bunch of other things are in play for that deck that we weren't sure about Jeez. before. And heroic is another. Um, mechanic we didn't mention it was in theros block and it's been reprinted a little since where the creatures care about being targeted by a spell so like mm-hmm. annex and simonine or i don't know how Simonide. you say it Simonide or however you say it um Cynical. are those type of creatures may have a home in the deck i think you want mostly instances and sorceries but you know you might want one or two even like a crone crusader which just makes a one one when mm-hmm. you target it mm-hmm. might be possible um anyway so Feather. Feather has gotten a ton of press. People are really excited about that card. It's the best Boros Commander of all time. Yeah. Straight up. It might be the most exciting commander in the whole set. So thanks, Wizards, for giving us that one. All right. The next one is pretty sweet, though. It's in the running for most exciting commander in the set. Because it's got five colors. It's Niv-Mizzet Reborn. I'm back. Niv-Mizzet is no longer just is it. Is now Wooburg. Yeah. Niv-Wooburg is it. Yep, cost five mana, white, blue, black, red, and green for a 6-6 flying dragon avatar legendary creature. Of course, it says, when Niv-Mizzet Reborn enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each color pair, choose a card that's exactly those colors from among them. Put the chosen cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. (laughs) The text is very confusing, but basically we know the guilds in Ravnica, and those are the 10 color pairs. So if you play Niv-Mizzet and you flipped three Boros cards and one Izzet card, you could choose one Boros card from them and one Izzet card from them. Yeah, exactly. So you can't get two of the same color pair, and three color pairs don't count at all. Right. The cards have to be exactly exactly two color, and you can get only one of each individual color pairing. So if you flip... 10 cards and you only get four Boros cards and the rest are lands, you can only get one of those cards. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you flip 10 cards and you get a Boros, a Demir, a Golgari, and a Celestia, and a, you know some repeats, and you're like, well, I just got four cards off this thing. Yeah. I think if you get two cards, it's really good. Yeah, not bad. Five mana, six, six flying, draw two. Moldrifter is a five mana, two, two flying, True. draw two. Much harder to cast than Mizzet, yeah. obviously, but you also have to build your deck in a way that you have a lot of guild cards in there. I think it's almost all guild cards yeah. and like ramp, basically, probably, yeah. But there are plenty of powerful cards. You just have to figure out what direction you're going with the deck. So I think actually Mizzet poses a really interesting and unique deck building challenge And how do you include the right ratio of cards that are in the guilds and also still support your main game plan. I heard some rumblings from the uh, CEDH crowd, the competitive crowd, how oh, really? Niv-Mizzet is possibly 
going to replace General Tazri or be built like General Tazri, who's oh, a five-color deck. Right. So the way the Tazri decks work or the five some of these five-color decks work, actually, you know what? The way that all competitive EDH decks just about tend to work is at some point, their first goal is create infinite mana. Mm-hmm. The way the Tazri deck does it and the way the Niv-Mizz will probably do it is food chain with like Miss Hollow Griffin so that you sacrifice it. It goes into exile. Miss Hollow Griffin can be played from exile, but you're always up one mana on that exchange, mm-hmm. which you can only use to cast creatures, but still... You just do that infinite amount of times, create infinite amount of mana. Now you can cast Niv-Mizzet infinite times, sacking it. whole deck, yeah. Yeah, sacking it to food chain. And what you find is you find a card called Spark Caster, which is a gruel card. So Niv-Mizzet can find it. And then Spark Caster, you can basically cast, I think, and bounce itself over and over. Mm -hmm. And that will uh, just do do one damage at a time, infinite times. And I think people are saying that that's a little bit easier than the way Tazri does it now. So that we'll was see. Braden on our Discord. I'm going to give him credit for that because I he was talking about that combo. And yeah, seems pretty cool. Not my flavor. Rolesk Apex Hybrid, though. A little close to my flavor. Two green, green, blue for a 4-5 flying trample human mutant. When Rolesk enters the battlefield, put two plus one plus one counters on another target creature you control. And when Rolesk dies, proliferate, then proliferate again. So notably, this must die. This can't go back to the command zone. It needs to hit your graveyard to double proliferate. But it's going to give you a target for it at the very least when it enters the battlefield. You get to put two plus one plus one counters on another creature you control. And uh, outside of that, it's a five mana, four or five flying trample. So actually, pretty great stats for a creature. Having to die, though, doesn't make it the great, greatest commander necessarily. Unless you just need to use it once and you know, for and maybe you have some ways of regrowing it. I wish they'll stop doing that on legendary creatures. Just like... You know, Alenda was right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like that or it has to get exiled. Like, that's, I think, kind of the thing it's avoiding. There's no in-between right now between dying and eggs. Yeah, to, to I wish they could fix the rule, like but I guess Child of Alara becomes oppressively good if you do that. So. And then, if, yeah, if it leaves the battlefield, then you can't, that doesn't work either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's too bad because, yeah, you have to let it hit the graveyard. And then I guess you're in green. You could maybe get it back. Just seems not worth it at that point. Yeah. If you have sack outlets, though, definitely good in a green-blue deck that wants to proliferate. Yeah, good with uh, Planeswalkers, too, potentially. And Vanifar and anything like that. All right, Store of Dev Care and Lich. That's the next card. One black, black, green, four mana total for a 5-4 legendary creature. Zombie Elf Wizard has Trample. Whenever Store of deals combat damage to a player or Planeswalker, return to your hand target creature or Planeswalker card in your graveyard that wasn't put there this combat. So the thing that you return can't have died during the combat where the damage was dealt in by Storov, but mm-hmm. you can get a Planeswalker, too. It goes yeah. to hand. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You got to deal combat damage. I mean, Storov has Trample. He's probably going to be able to get in. Again, it's, like, it's very similar to the Neheb and being a 5-4 Trampler uh, in that you can definitely hit people for damage and most likely have this trigger. I mean, if you have Planeswalkers that you know are going to be minusing to die. That's true. Especially like the uncommon ones that can only minus, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Otherwise, it seems interesting. Uh, You only get to choose one target creature or Planeswalker. It doesn't bounce all of them back. It requires you to hit them for stuff. And this doesn't seem just even close to as powerful as when the Heb's doing. Or what Marin's doing or Carador, right? Yeah. Like those type of cards. They're letting you play things out of your you graveyard. Untap you don't fight. have to you combat have to damage. You combat with this yeah. guy. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's seems tough. not great. And there's not that much haste enabled. I don't honestly colors, think that even goes right? in those other decks. It's just no. too much work, yeah. If you might be able to build a deck around it, but even then, I don't think the power level is too high. But if you want a zombie elf wizard trouble deck, maybe that's the one. <laughs> that's true. It has three creature types. Tulsimir, friend to wolves, is our last legendary creature. It's two green green and a white for a 3-3 elf scout. 
When Tolstomir enters the outfield, Crete, Voya, Voha, friend to elves, a legendary 3-3 green and white wolf creature token. Whenever a wolf enters the battlefield under your control, you gain three life, and that creature fights up to one target creature you control. So, wolf tribal, bite your heart out. It should have red if it's wolf tribal, right? Like, it's weird that it has green. Yeah. I mean, we saw, um, you know, the wolf planeswalker as well in Arlen. Was yeah. Arlen? And Arlen is green only. But yeah. red has the second most wolves, I, I would think, and werewolves specifically. Well, Tolstomir is a friend to the wolves, so maybe that's what gives him his white. Yeah, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> like, if he had red, then you could play the werewolves, and maybe this would make sense because all your werewolves would fight stuff because they always come in on their wolf side. Right. Do werewolves count as wolves? Yeah, because... on their wolves. Well, some of them are, and some of them aren't. Some oh, are humans. Okay. Some are wolves, some are, yeah, werewolves. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I don't know. Work. Wolf tribal is never something that's been like, whoa, let's build a wolf tribal deck. I know. It just doesn't have that much support, and unfortunately, I don't think this set is going to necessarily well, give it the tools If that's what we're getting, I don't think it's probably enough. Yeah. It's okay, though, soon, I'm sure. I hope. We'll get one. Okay, so there's a bunch of cycles in this set. The mm-hmm. first is a there's a cycle of um, colored artifacts. So artifacts that have a color, they're all rare. And I color in their mana cost as well. Yeah. So f- the first one is um, Parhelion 2, which is a legendary vehicle. It it's... costs six white white, so eight mana. We can just move on to the next card, right? <laughs> it's a, it, it is powerful, though. It's a 5-5 five, five flying first strike vigilance with crew four. But whenever Parhelion 2 attacks, create mm. two... Four, four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance that are attacking. So you create two Sarah angels when it attacks, not when it deals combat damage. Mm-hmm. So if you can get this thing out and swing with it one time, maybe with haste or something. I mean, that is 13 damage right there. It's um, and it's flying first strike vigilance, and the tokens are also vigilant, and they stay around. So you are, you're putting, you know, 13 power and toughness on the board, and you are potentially smacking someone for a bunch too. Yeah, it's powerful if you get it going. I mean, it's eight mana. Yeah. You Expropriate do, costs nine mana. So yeah. that's the scale we're judging things on. You could also just play like Zatalpa. You know, you have the giant <laughs> good, good, double strike true, and crazy true. But he doesn't make two angels every time. Like, yeah, that's but you, crazy. Also, you also have to crew for it. So, I mean, look, it's at eight mana. It's going to be tough to get out. Don't play them on a white because you're, you're going to have a real rough time ramping this sucker out. That's a really good point, actually. Uh, I could see this is like a fun times win condition in a token deck that has green so you can get a lot of mana ramp. And you can crew it with a bunch of random tokens, and then you're making angels. Um, it's too bad it doesn't have Devoid or something that like makes it colorless, so that you could like combine it with the new Ugin. Right. And it's white, so you can't like affinity for artifacts with Tezzeret. Yeah. Uh, you're just playing a a big chunky creature. Yeah. And it doesn't even have affinity because it's not a creature or a planeswalker, right? Right. For Tezzeret. Oh yeah, that's because true. Because it's a legendary artifact oh, yeah. vehicle, it okay. can become a creature. You're right. Okay. Uh, well then. Okay. <laughs> Next up is another vehicle, but this one's the Silent Submersible. It's much more uh, discreet than the last guy. It's blue-blue for a 2-3 artifact vehicle. Whenever Silent Submersible deals combat damage to a player or a planeswalker, draw a card. And it's got crew of two. So this actually reminds me of the Looter Scooter a little bit. Um, Not as good because it doesn't have an invasion, doesn't have right? flying, yeah. yeah. But but still two mana for 2-3 with crew two, and you get to draw cards with it. It's It's cool if you like vehicles. I would say that probably you're going to get a couple swings in if you get it out on turn two, but it's going to be bad late game. Yeah. Let's talk about the real card in the set. Okay. So this card is nuts. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's going to be the front runner for best or most powerful card in the set. Yep. It's Bolus's Citadel. Three black, 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 six mana total for a legendary artifact. It says, you may look at the top card of your library anytime. 
You may play the top card of your library. Okay. So it's like Future Sight. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its converted mana cost rather than pay its mana cost. I'm sorry, what? <sighs> Wait, well, what? Yeah. So you don't. <laughs> so you you can play cards off the top of your library like Experimental Frenzy or Future Sight. Many cards have done this. Um, except you don't pay it with mana. You pay it with life equal to the CMC. Mm-hmm. This is definitely a, just a straight win condition. You just gain a lot of life in a deck that has black in it. You play a card like a Loro or any like Orzov deck that's all about life gain. If you have 80 life, you're playing like six, seven cards off the top of your library as long as you don't hit a land. Yeah, you can hit a land. I don't even think you need the life gain to be very, very powerful. There are decks with Ad Nauseum that'll just go like 40 cards deep because right. they just have all low casting cost stuff and they're just looking for for pieces. Anything that, let's just say at a base level, this said add 40 mana to your mana pool and draw seven cards. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Like it's channel crossed with Yawgmoth's Bargain. Yeah. Those are two banned cards. Obviously there are some pitfalls where you can hit a land and you you, you have to stop, but you know, you can Top get around that. Top and scroll rack. Top and scroll rack. Yeah, nice. exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, it's we're not even done. It does have an activated ability because oh, they right. were like, you know what? This card's not powerful enough. <laughs> what else can we have it do? You can also tap Bolus' Citadel, sacrifice 10 non-land permanents, and each opponent loses 10 life. Which is probably going to be rarely used on the card. But once in a while, treasures or tokens yeah. or... Or just get them, right? It's like, sure, I have a bunch of things out there and I can kill the problematic player with this. Yeah. Or neuter them enough because of their life total. So yeah, Bolus' Citadel Or is... Wound Reflection is out or something. Yeah. And just 20 oh, everybody boy. kind of thing. Yeah. This card is nuts. I think anyone that can play this probably wants to in a, in, a, in a black deck if you can afford the mana cost. It just lets you cast cards for free. I think there's a good chance this well, not is... not free, but very close to it to me. This is the Paradox Engine good card in the set. Uh-huh. And, like, I don't even say that tongue-in-cheek. I think there's a good chance this is, like, on the too powerful side. It can just end the game on the spot. It's going to be a Groner-type card after a little while where people yeah. are like, they well, see it. Well, six mana like, end the game, right? Like, usually we're waiting for nine mana and up for those kinds of spells in EDH. And this is six mana with maybe one other card, like a scroll rack, to really get it going. Yeah, and it's... Obviously, there's some setup to get to really go off, but there would could be times, too, where you just play it and you're able to just play yeah. 12 mana worth of stuff on turn six. We've seen how powerful Experimental Frenzy is. And Let's just say Expropriate's a t card on top of your deck. Like, you uh, can just win right there. Or life, there's a million cards that, like, are just enough, a lot of mana, but ten yeah. taking 10 damage to cast something is not that much in EDH, you know, because you're liable to be at 37, 35 life. Yeah, especially if that card is a 10 mana card on turn four or five, because you could ramp out Willis Citadel pretty easily as yep. well. All right, Mizium Tank, one red red for an artifact vehicle. That's a 3-2 with Trample, and whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Mizium Tank becomes an artifact creature and gets plus one, plus one until end of turn, or you can crew it for one. I think this is going to see a lot of play in Standard because it's a 3-mana three 3-2 three Trampler with a crew cost of one, which is just going to be a good rate. And anytime you cast a non-creature spell, it gets plus one, plus one. Yeah. If you cast multiple non-creature spells, it keeps getting that plus one, plus one. Would you consider playing a card like this because there are going to be so many planeswalkers running around or is it still two it's for three mana right yeah. it's just not powerful enough i don't think yeah i don't think it's gonna and, save. It, and it has it's you know it requires you to either be in a, a deck with a lot of non-creature spells or i don't know not have any better options at three yeah it seems like you can probably do better play goblin rabble master <laughs> that's true i'll probably hit a planeswalker more often than not all right, and uh, the green artifact is Vivian's Arcbow. It is one in a green for a legendary artifact. You pay X and tap it, discard a card. Look at the top X cards of your library. You may put a creature card with converted mana cost X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Then you put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So you kind of 
Genesis, Genesis wave. wave. No, it's just no, for one card, it's though. Just for one card. You, I think you'd want to set this up, but I, I would say you're also discarding a card. But I'd say like for about five, you're probably gonna get some good stuff. Usually That's true. You're discarding six. a card, so yeah. Yeah, it's not great, but it's a way to cheat mana cost. No, it's not cheating mana cost. It's a way to. It's card advantage. Card advantage, right? Eh. You have to hit with it, but well, you're also oh, yeah. discarding, you're discarding a, card. a card. It's it does stuff. All right, moving on. Let's talk about the gods in the set. That's right. Nicol Bolas came back from Amonkhet, and, well, he unfortunately killed all of the gods except for the red one. And by kill, I mean he decided to make them... He took them over. He took them yeah. over. Hazard actually did really die, right? Yeah, I think so. And he, you know, he had previously come to Amonkhet to take them over in the first place, but now they are fully under his control. And these are all some pretty powerful cards, so I'm excited to read these guys out. First up is God Eternal Oketra. Three white white for a three six with double strike. These are all zombie gods, by the way. Whenever you cast a creature spell, create a four four black zombie warrior creature token with vigilance. Whenever you cast a creature spell, mm -hmm. and then a lot of the, I think they all have this text at the bottom. Whenever God Eternal Oketra dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library, third from the top. So it's difficult to get rid of it from a card advantage standpoint. You still get rid of it as normal. Yeah. They just draw it again in a couple of turns, which I don't think is the biggest of big deals. But whenever you cast a creature spell, create a four-four black zombie warrior creature token with vigilance. That's pretty good. Four-four. Uh, that's a, that's that's powerful. I'll play Oketra's monument in some decks just mm -hmm. for that the effect. One -one. Yeah, yeah, and it just makes one ones. Of course, Oketra costs more, but still, making a four-four can be super powerful. A three-six double strike is a very good blocker as well. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next God Eternal is the blue one. It's Kefnet, two and two blue. For a 4-5 flyer, you may reveal the first card you draw each turn as you draw it. Whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery card this way, copy that card and you may cast the copy. That copy costs two less to cast. Expropriate for seven. When God Eternal Kefnet dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library, third from the top. This one seems good. Yeah, because the... Makes it cost two less, and you still draw the card? Yeah, yeah, you cast a copy, so you still have the original card like in your hands. Two cards. And also, if you decide not to cast it, nothing bad happens. You're mm -hmm. just like, oh, I'm not casting that right now. Yeah. So there's some infinite turn shenanigans, too, that are kind of obvious with, again, Scroll Rack, Jace mm -hmm. the Mind Sculptor, anything that repeatedly allows you to take something, something from your hand, put it on your library, because... Kefnet's copying the spell, but the, the card's still going to your hand. Right, you're drawing it, so you can just put it back somehow. Yeah, so any extra turn spell and scroll rack just goes infinite because you copy it with Kefnet, goes right. to your hand, then you're going to get an extra turn after this one. You put it back on the top of your deck with scroll rack, and mm -hmm. now you're going to do the same thing next turn and next turn and next turn. So Things are going to get degenerate with Kefnet around, I can tell already. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty good, and it's a... Four mana, four, five flyer. Yeah. I, I actually like God Eternal Kefnet probably the most out of all of these just because it's, you know, again, you're copying spells off the top of your library. That that seems very powerful. I think in this environment, too, a four, five flyer is going to be useful against Planeswalkers. It'll deter them from maybe playing it because you can get at them. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it has a really relevant, powerful ability on top of it does make it, like, pretty playable in a lot of decks. You obviously need a lot of instants and sorceries. You probably need somewhere in the realm yeah. of like 20 to 25. This is a 100% pass the turn and draw cards in other people's turns because... Oh, yeah, it's the first, the first card, card you draw each turn. Yeah, oh, yeah. you could, uh, you know, even if you use a top, that counts yeah. as drawing a card for the turn, so... Well, and if you have top, you can set an instance or sorcery there mm -hmm. and make sure you get the perfect one. Yeah, and so. it costs two less to cast, and you're and it doesn't even cost you anything to, to cast. The card itself still stays in your hand, so that's actually, I think, very powerful. Yeah. God Eternal Bontu, three black black for a five six zombie god with menace. 
when God Eternal Bantu enters the battlefield, sacrifice any number of other permanents, then draw that many cards. And of course, the same text that when he dies or is put into exile, you can put it into its owner's library third from the top. Yeah, um, this is similar to a lot of effects in black. There was a plane. No, there was that um, the one that made all the little creatures that was black and green. That was gruel that you could sacrifice a permanent to draw a card. That's definitely a black thing. Trading Golgari, in permanents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Golgari, sorry, yeah. So it's trading cards in for uh, trading permanents cards, in permanent for cards. cards. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you have a bunch of like expendable stuff. Tokens. Treasures. Uh, even lands, you clues. know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think this is Stuff that wants to powerful. die. That yeah. comes back, maybe. It is cool that you get to draw a lot with this when it comes in. So if you can set it up and have it land on the battlefield and draw you a bunch of cards, it seems pretty effective. Yeah, I think it's fine. It's uh, Only certain decks would want it. Yeah, as are pretty much is the case for like every card we talk about usually. Yeah, true. Uh, the next one is God Eternal Ronus. Three green green, five five death touch, zombie god. When Ronus enters the battlefield, double the power of each other creature you control until end of turn, and those creatures gain, gain vigilance until end of turn. Well, so whatever their power is, they're twice as much power, but no trample. Yeah, this is kind of like a... You know, could be more powerful than a um, uh, crater hoof uh, in terms of the power gained. Depending Possible. On the creatures you yeah. have on the battlefield. But the fewer creatures you have, the better it is than crater hoof, basically. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I, eh, you know. At least they gain vigilance. If you have a way to give your creatures trample, which of there are plenty of ways of doing it, God Eternal Ronus could just be in a mono green stompy deck, play it with wow. the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It seems like I want trample pretty bad in that scenario. Oh, yeah. Or I want the pump effect to be larger or i don't know it seems okay it's I just, definitely one of those like single player ko decks because of the vigilance you know it helps you block on the next attack back like the three big ones are crater hoof triumph of the hordes and uh beastmaster ascension mm -hmm. you're not replacing any of the those with this right and the end raise foe runners or whatever and yeah but you're not replacing any of them with <laughs> it i could see this being as a fun build around or just an additional effect of that type yeah you just i just think most decks don't want four or five of that effect right yeah. they want creatures and they only need to pump them one time yeah this is a creature however yeah uh, but if you want to be mcbeady face in edh play some more god eternal runos bd mcbeady face all right so there's a, a cycle of cards called the finale cycle finale and, of yeah and they're all x spells there's one in each color and they care if x is 10 or more yep and they all do two things one normal and then if x is 10 or more it does something extra so finale of glory is the white version for x white white it's a sorcery Create X 2-2 white soldier creature tokens with vigilance. If X is 10 or more, so if you pay 12 mana total or more, also create X 4-4 white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance. Now, that's actually pretty good. Um, just by itself, you're kind of doing white sun zenith, right? Yep. Instead of cats, you're making white soldier creature tokens, and they do a vigilance. Um, you don't shuffle it back in, but the the ten plus marker. If you're casting any of these spells for 12 mana, you should have, you know, you should be very well on the way to winning the game. I think. But I, I would say X spells, like normally we say like, oh, for 10 mana, you should get a uh, sort of I win the game card. Yeah. But X spells different because uh, expropriate, for example, the example we always use, you can't cast it for three mana, right? Mm -hmm. You can only cast it for nine. Th a spell like this, I can cast it for five mana if that's what I have to do and get three, two, two soldiers. So the flexibility means that sometimes when I just happen to be in a game where I do have 12 mana and I create 10 mm -hmm. two twos and 10 four, four flyers, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah, and the more you put into it, the better the rate is. At Wish it was an instant. Yeah. And that's another White Sun Zenith thing. At five mana, it, you're getting six power for five mana. At seven mana, you're getting eight power for seven. Ten. At ten, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, the, the number gets better and better when, you're, when you start increasing it. But, yeah. 
it's okay. Good for token making, I suppose. All right, the next one is the blue one. Finale of Revelation. It is blue, blue, and X for sorcery. Draw X cards. If X is 10 or more, instead, shuffle your graveyard into your library, then draw X cards, untap up to five lands, and you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Exile, finale of Revelation. Um, Okay, so at normal, it's a brain geyser, which is playable, and a lot of people do play that card. Mm -hmm. At 10... It actually rebates five of the lands, untap five lands, and you just get no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. You kind of get like an emblem that does that. And you do the uh, time twister effect. Right. You shuffle the graveyard into the library. Yeah. It seems pretty good. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I like how you do get your graveyard into your library. It's a good way for decks that are trying to mill yourself out or just have maximum hand size, recycle a lot of the more useful cards. Um, Untapping five lands is big. It allows you to maybe protect... Yeah. You know, it's not because it, normally, like, I pay 12 mana, I'm tapped out, I drew a million cards, it's not the greatest because at that point in the game, you're like, well, now my shields are totally down. Yeah. 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 But five lands untapped could be seven, eight mana too with Temple of the False Gods, Bounce Lands, Guys, Cradles, and things like that. And mm-hmm. you could easily, like, recover most of the mana you put into it. So it could be close to free. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This next one I previewed on my stream it's the finale of Eternity. X black black sorcery destroy up to three target creatures with toughness X or less. If X is ten or more, return all creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. So you get a, a bunch of things, right? You can destroy a bunch of creatures, including your own, if ten is X or more, and then you can re- you br- basically bring all the creature cards Maybe back out. ETB or something. Yeah, this is interesting though. X black black destroy up to three target creatures with toughness X or less. So X is the only number that cares about the toughness of the creatures you're trying to target because you can destroy up to three, which seems actually really good. I can see this seeing a lot of play in different areas just because it's it's not X for destroying X number of creatures. Getting three creatures with one card is pr- pretty big game, and there might be times yeah. where you're like five mana destroy three creatures because I need to kill you know an Oracle of Moldiah. Uh, okay, I'm not going to name three cards, but you, you get it. Like there may <laughs> be times early in their game less, where I'm like yeah. Bing Bang Boom, get rid of Vile Smasher, get rid of Timna, get rid of your uh, Oracle, and it's up to three. So even if you can't find that many legal targets, you can still do it. And then later in the game, you're like, oh. Then I just Rise of the Dark Realms myself, kind of. Yeah, and if you have creatures with ETBs, you can kill your own and rise them back up as well. Good All right, stuff. the next one is the red one. It's Finale of Promise. Red, red, and X for a sorcery. You may cast up to one target instant uh, card and or up to one target sorcery card from your gra- graveyard, each with converted mana cost X or less without paying their mana cost. So you get cool. one instant and one sorcery out of your graveyard with CMC X or less. Uh, and you cast them. But if X is 10 or more, copy each of those spells twice. You may choose new targets for the copy. This one seems actually it might be the most powerful of all of them. Yeah, it seems the most, just because recasting spells, I think it's more powerful than killing some creatures or drawing some cards or making some soldier token. Yeah. I mean, at 10, like, imagine if you just have one extra turn spell in there, you're going to need three of that. Yeah. And then three of, like, I don't know, some instant you know, even if it just happens to be like, I don't know, Mystic Confluence or something, I'll just draw nine cards, right. take three extra turns. Like, you're going to win. Yeah. Yeah. You are going to win. Finale of Devastation is the last green finale we're going to talk about. It's X green green for a sorcery. Search your library and or graveyard for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less and put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. And if X is 10 or more, creatures you control get plus X, plus X, and gain haste until end of turn. So... 
you don't need to obviously find a crater hoof with this to win, but you could find a big creature and give all your creatures haste. And plus X plus X going to be at, at minimum 10. So they're going to get plus 10 plus 10. This is definitely a Timmy card. It's uh, a little bit of Green Sun Zenith in there. Um, it, again, it doesn't give trample. So doesn't give trample. I think because Wizards knows, right? If yeah. it gave trample, it would just be an auto include in all these kinds of decks. I mean, it's it could just be like another copy of Crater Hoof in those decks too, and might be worth it. Yeah. Well, you're gonna be able to find Crater Hoof with it. You can also just do it for value, get Terastodon and blow up stuff. Like it mm-hmm. could be toolboxy, right? Just get the thing I need right now. Just need a lot of mana to really hit that ten mark. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do the ten thing though. Mm-hmm. Like just two extra mana onto Seedborn Muse is pretty good. Yeah. Right. Anytime you can fetch a creature straight into the battlefield. Not to mention, this actually looks for your graveyard, which I don't think many cards oh, do. Oh, that's actually a good point. And yeah. Your Seaborn Muse is definitely not long for this world if people see it. Yeah. So being able to regrow it and put it on the battlefield in all in one fell swoop is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. And before we move on, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And we're back. We're in the midst of our War of the Sparks set review. All right, we're going to go into cards by color now. Oh, gosh, so many cards in this set. Yeah, okay. So we're going to start with red. The first one is Bolt Bend. It's three and a red for an instant. It says this spell costs three generic less to cast if you control a creature with power four or greater. So if you have a ferocious, as we would call it. Mm-hmm. It just costs red. And it says, change the target of target spell or ability with a single target. It's a counter spell. Or ability, too. So you can uh, sort of um, change the target of a Planeswalker ability, too. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah, I like this card just for one red if you've got a general with four uh, power or more that's likely to be on the battlefield. Notably also a uncommon, yeah. which uh, we don't really see too much of. All right, next up is Dreadhorde Arcanist. One in a red for a 1-3 zombie wizard with trample. Whenever Dreadhorde Arcanist attacks, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with CMC less than or equal to Dreadhorde Arcanist's power from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So I would say like, oh, Feather wants to play with this, but then the card gets exiled, which isn't as well, the, Isn't that the same wording as flashback? Wouldn't it still go to your hand? Oh, you're right. If, yeah, yeah, because it doesn't go to the graveyard. You exile it as it resolves. So you can stack that trigger so yeah, that the, true. Yeah, true, true. So I think it still works. Also, um, Feather has the cards that pump its that power. Pump itself up, yeah. So that you can not just get one CMC spells. Even though Feather has a lot of one CMC spells, so you yeah. can also just use it for that. Yeah, I think this is really good in Feather. It's about whether or not you can convert it, it. This has to attack. Yeah. And because it has Trample into one power creature, it's asking you, please make me stronger. Yep. Yeah. I, that's why I think Feather is a pretty, is like super good fit for it. Yeah. 
All right, moving on to black. As usual, black has the most cards, I think, that we want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason it's the most powerful color. First one is Command the Dread Horde. Command. Four black, black for a sorcery. Choose any number of target creature and or planeswalker cards in graveyards. Not just yours, all graveyards. Command the Dread Horde deals damage to you equal to the total converted mana cost of those cards. Put them onto the battlefield under your control. That's pretty good. I mean, you could get... It reminds me of Boss of Siddle, but it's in your graveyard instead. Not just yours, in graveyards. Oh, right. Oh, my gosh. So it's Planeswalkers and Creatures, as much as you're willing to pay life for CMC out of gra anybody's graveyard. So, again, six mana, five life, Seaborn Muse. I mean, I'm thinking six mana, 20 life, get a Seaborn Muse, some kind of Eldrazi, and then, like, yeah, something else. Yeah, just stuff. Just, like, boom, yeah. Yeah, Command the Dreadhorde definitely, if you have the life to spare, can be extremely backbreaking. Sometimes also might just do nothing. So it's one of those cards where I think the upside is massive and the downside is definitely there. But yeah, it, I don't think it's very likely to do nothing. Especially if you're in a life gain deck, it's very possible for that sure. it's Rise of the Dark Realms for six mana. Yeah, because you can choose any number. Because I'm like, I crazy. have 120 life. I don't care. I'll pay 50 of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that anytime you're play paying life for resources has always been borderline broken. That's why channel and those type of effects are banned. Yeah. So that seems like a very powerful effect to me. Very and also indeed. because our format is like balanced differently. 40 life is what you start with, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Deliver Unto Evil is another card that we previewed for the IGN uh, video with, alongside Kyle Hill. Uh, it's two and a black for a sorcery. Choose up to four target cards in your graveyard. If you control a Bolas Planeswalker, return those cards to your hand. Otherwise, an opponent chooses two of them. Leave the chosen cards in your graveyard and put the rest into your hand. So at the very least, as long as you have enough cards in your graveyard, it's three mana draw two. Uh, if you have a Bolas Planeswalker, you just draw four cards. And then when the spell is uncasting, you exile it because otherwise it, you could loop this thing and be very powerful. Yeah, and we see all the time that there are situations you can put people in where they, there's just no good options. They can even veto two of them and you're still getting awesome stuff. Yeah. And the fact that it's cards and not just creatures I really like, it's just giving black an ability it has trouble with. I mean, they have some things like Yawgmoth's Will and some other things, but in general, uh, they, they mostly only can get creatures back. So now we're seeing them be able to get Planeswalkers back and just any card with this, so... Yeah. Also love the art. Might be my favorite art in the set. There is a playmat. A playmat we've seen. We've yeah, got one right over there. Pro. It's sweet. All right. Next card. Dread Horde Invasion. One in a black for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose a one in life and a mass one. Then it says, sorry, I'll read a mass again. You put a one one counter on an army you control. If you don't control one, you create a zero zero black zombie army creature token first. So this will make one token that just every turn will get bigger. Um, it also says whenever a zombie token attack, or sorry, a zombie token you control with power six or greater attacks, it gains lifelink until end of turn. So that part's not really going to be relevant. This it's is kind of any like any zombie token, so it yeah. doesn't just have to be the army, notably. This is kind of bitter blossomy. And I think if you have ways to sacrifice creatures and things, like just we've learned like two mana for an enchantment that just creates a, a token every, every turn, turn is yeah. very, very good. Never mind things like a divine visitation and things like that which would just be really crazy with it so right yeah i just generally like these as a turn two play that's going to get you a ton of value throughout the game yeah as like fodder for um for astronauts altars or chump blockers or stuff you can you know put a sort of on and if you let this grow up to a six six you'll have lost six life but then you get it all back like, yeah, yeah. This one's pretty interesting. Yeah, this is interesting because of one particular line of text. Yeah. It's Kaya's ghost form, and we've seen this around this effect around a lot, but not in this particular order because Kaya's associated this time. 
Enchantment Aura, Enchant Creature or Planeswalker you control. That's interesting. Yep. When Enchanted Permanent dies or is put into exile, return that card to the battlefield under your control. So this will buy you back something. Now, a lot of times, like, it would just say whenever this creature dies, return to the battlefield tapped or whatever. Yep. Kaya's Ghost Form enchants creatures and planeswalkers, and it can be returned onto the battlefield even if it gets exiled. Like, there's a couple of ways around it. Obviously, if they bounce it, the Kai's Ghost Form goes away. Right. Um, but in general, it's a lot better than the ones that only care if it dies. Exile mm-hmm. is another thing that's very likely to happen. Another thing here that's easy to overlook is the fact that this can go on Planeswalkers. And Planeswalkers are a little different than creatures, right? Because a creature, you need a sacrifice outlet to get rid of it. But often a Planeswalker, can, with its minus ability, can kind of get rid of itself. And then it will immediately come back and that's considered a new permanent, so you could just activate it again. So that does seem very powerful. I think in the Moldrotha deck, it's really good. Oh, yeah. Really, really good. Yep. Yeah. Okay. The next one is another card that we previewed on that IGN video where we uh, also revealed Bolas and mm-hmm. Deliver Unto Evil. It's the Elder Spell, Black Black for a Sorcery. Oh, destroy any Yeah. Destroy any number of target Planeswalkers. Full stop. Just for black, black. Any number. So you just pick all the Planeswalkers you want on the battlefield to not be there anymore, and they're gone. (laughs) Then choose a Planeswalker you control. Put two loyalty counters on it for each Planeswalker destroyed this way. Two each? Why couldn't it just be one? (sighs) It's pretty nuts. So if you have a Planeswalker and you destroy three Planeswalkers with this, you get six loyalty counters onto your Planeswalker. That's almost instantly going to be an ulti. Almost certainly going to ultimate it. Um, This is... Very, very powerful at its top end. Yeah. Now, at the bottom end, you don't have a Planeswalker and nobody else does either, and it does nothing. (laughs) So that's what the juggling act here. And we talked about this a little bit on our Planeswalker review episode, which was the previous episode, about how we believe the environment's probably going to change, at least in the short term, and there'll be a lot more Planeswalkers on the battlefield for a Mm -hmm. little while. And we, we came to the conclusion, I think, that I think you do run the Elder Spell in most of your black decks, for now at least. Especially if you have a Planeswalker of your own. Yeah. Um, but I think even then, even if you don't, I think for a while you can... Because like, even if I just paid black, black, destroyed one Planeswalker. Yeah, that's still I'm unacceptable, fine with right? right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've seen that card happen a lot already. Or Usually one it costs black, three. Black. Yeah. 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 Or so, four to exile, yeah. Yeah, so... And, and the fact that sometimes you just go bing, bang, boom get rid of three or four and put loyalty counters on my planeswalker even just i destroy three planeswalkers for two mana it's great very good even if you don't have one but there are games where no planeswalkers are played talk to your meta see what's going on ask everyone for deck lists and then slip in the outer spell depending on what their answer is um so i wanted to have a discussion here about how much more important it will be to run targeted planeswalker removal and they gave us some in this set but it's mostly concentrated in black which i i'm a little disappointed by yeah eh, it's a bit of a bummer um because red already red's good at getting rid of planeswalkers but you have to play kind of bad spells sometimes damage based spells right yeah and then white green and blue are just kind of sol they just have to like they could bounce yeah maybe i mean I wish they would have given them a little bit better ways to handle now that the environment's going to have a lot more planeswalkers running around. SOL, by the way, stands for straight out of luck. That's right. Wholesome crowd out there. That's right. I was Um, just assuming that those who didn't know what it meant wouldn't know what it means. Um, All right. So there's there's two cards we want to talk about. One is Price of Betrayal. It's a black mana for a sorcery. Remove up to five counters from target artifact, creature, planeswalker, or opponent. I actually think this card is somewhat playable um, in a lot of different metas. It, it's interesting because it's artifact creature, planeswalker, or opponent. So you could get rid of different kinds of counters. Save someone from being infected out, for instance. It's true. You can remove poison counters. 
so good in our meta maybe uh you can remove experience counters you yep. can remove plus one plus one counters you can remove like what it was lux cannon get charge counters Charge counters right you can remove planeswalker loyalty counters so it's pretty flexible yeah do, do you think you play this card it's tough, right? It's still yeah, I think situational. If, if you, again, if you're playing with experience counters in your meta, then yes, for sure. But I mean, let's say like you have five people in your meta and each of them has one experience counter deck out of their five or six decks. Are you going to ever use it on yourself? I don't think so. You can't. It's only opponent. Then the target artifact creature, planeswalker, or opponent. So oh, you right. Can, you oh, use it, it on yourself, yourself, meaning... I don't know why you would. Artifact or creature. Yeah, yeah. I guess there are probably some artifacts and creatures that... Yeah, you might want to remove. I mean, I don't know. I don't think you run this. Then it's just, oh, jeez. It's just too likely that it does. It's not usable. Yeah. Sometimes I, it's not going to be very impactful. Like removing plus one plus one counters on the creature is mm -hmm. generally not going to kill it. It's just going to bring it back down to its base level, which is not worth a full card. Right. Right. Because you might as well just run Doomblade or something. This is the the moment when Liliana does de defy Nicol Bolas, so the art is very impactful. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll play it just for that cool, cool art. But yeah, I don't think you actually play this. I think you'd much rather just have something that says destroy target planeswalker. All right. Okay, well, let's read the next card then and see if we want to play that. Bark Harvest. It is a black for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature or pay three and a black. So it'd be five mana total if you didn't sacrifice a creature to destroy target creature or planeswalker. Um, now this I could see having more play is it's just a single target removal spell. You do need to sacrifice something or you're paying five mana for it and that's not a good rate. That's a limited rate. Would you rather just uh, play Hero's Downfall? You, yes. For guaranteed three mana and yeah. not having to sacrifice a creature, yeah. But this is a great budget option. Also, there may be a deck where you know you're just creating a lot of like tokens, expendable yeah. creatures. Or and then in which case, there. black mana for that, it's not bad. Mm -hmm. There was that card in Modern Masters that did the same thing, Sacrifice Creature and Destroy Target Creature, right? Yep, but this one hits Planeswalkers. So. Planeswalkers too, yeah. yeah. All right, moving on to white. Only got a few cards for white that we think are worth talking about. Ignite the Beacon. This is one of the very first cards previewed for War of the Spark. It's four in the white for an instant to search your library for up to two Planeswalker cards, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. Uh, you're probably going to see more cards like this being played now that Planeswalkers are everywhere. And just finding two of them for five mana is not an amazing rate. But, you know, in white, you're the, you're the color that can tutor out Planeswalkers, apparently. So It's an instant. Yeah, it's an instant. I think the instant part makes it quite a bit better. Right. Because you're able to hold up your mana and see what's happening and see if the door's open and it's safe, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're like, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't need to use my mana for something else. Boom, get two Planeswalkers in my hand, specific ones. Uh, I think that could be a very powerful card and a I good piece. I think so, too. All right, the next one is Ravnica at War. At War. Three and a white for a sorcery. Exile all multicolored permanents. Now, this, I think, is a big-time house in EDH. What do you mean by that? It's going to house things. It's going to put them in the house, and then we're going to crush the house under it. That's what Is that it what house things means? I don't think so. I got housed by that. Like, I don't get what that means. Did someone yeah, drop a house so on weird. you? Maybe it's like Wizard of Oz. It's the Wizard of Oz reference. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, where did that say come from? I don't know. That card is a house. Yeah, that card is a house. Well, I mean, that, that makes sense. We say things are an absolute unit these days, yeah. right? Or it's thick. Yeah. So maybe uh, Ravnica at War, it is an absolute unit of a card. I mean, that, again, there's a lot of multicolor permanents in our format, so... Yeah, and you, I mean, definitely helps mono white. Yeah. Because you're going to have mono colored stuff. And probably like two color decks might be able, might be pretty safe. Uh, but usually. There play, are some multicolored decks that never play multicolored cards, gold cards, right? A lot of them are just like. Usually commanders are multicolored, though. I yeah. Mean, you know, yeah, the vast yeah, yeah. majority, obviously, some are, are mono colored, but I'd say like 
somewhere in the range of 80 to 85% of the commanders you're going to face yeah. are multicolored. If this doesn't hurt you too much, then I would play this. Because you only really have to get three cards with it and it none of yours. Exiles. Yeah, yeah for good. it to be pretty good. Yeah. It's only four mana. And multicolored permanents, so this does include enchantments, artifacts, yeah. if they're colored. That's true. All right, the next one is single combat, three white-white for a sorcery. Each player chooses a creature planeswalker, sorry, creature or planeswalker they control, then sacrifices the rest. Players can't cast creature or planeswalker spells until the end of your next turn. Which sucks because it includes yourself. You yeah. don't even, it, it, it's, this card isn't great because it gives your entire table a whole turn to, a whole turn cycle to rebuild after you've cast this. Well, they can't cast a uh, creature or planeswalkers until the end of your next but turn. it comes until the end of your next turn. Your whole turn, you right. can't do anything. And then you pass the turn and then they get sort of like first priority to start the. Yeah. I mean, I think you would have again. to be in a deck that doesn't have a lot of creatures and planeswalkers. So you can be like, oh, I'm going to cast artifacts and enchantments. Artifacts and enchantments, sorceries. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't like the part where they get to keep their best thing either. Yeah, and, and we've seen a lot of effects like this in the past for this sort of white board wipe. It is interesting that you stop creatures and planeswalker spells for a turn cycle. Yeah. But again, I think players will find ways around that. So this is an interesting board wipe, but I, I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I guess I'm not either. The the can't cast spells thing could be abusable. Maybe that yeah. part of it in the right deck could work. But in general, Tragic Arrogance, at least you're picking what they keep, so they're keeping their worst thing, not their best thing. Right. It yeah. is cool, though, that Soren and Nahiri are just having it out <laughs> still. We should be fighting Bolas. No, screw you. No, screw you. You put me in a rock. You put me in a wall. You put me in a house. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. Stuck him in the house. I would be pissed too, man. <laughs> you put me in a house. Uh, all right. Our first instant of proliferate is here. Uh, it's Evolution Sage. For two and a green, you get a 3-2 Elf Druid. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, proliferate. Landfall, proliferate. Yeah, that's actually really powerful in the right kinds of decks. Um, yeah. There's at least one land-based deck that has a Planeswalker as its commander, Lord Windgrace. Mm -hmm. So this seems like a shoe-in for that. Uh, yeah. Just very, very good in general. Cause Azusa-based decks, Oracle Moldiah-based decks. Even just like super friends decks that have green and most of them do because doubling season attracts or whatever yeah. like even if you just play growth? one land per turn this is just a card that says proliferate once per turn yeah circuitous root yeah there's lots of oh, ways to yeah. get a bunch of lands fetch lands. Play. fetch lands yeah yeah you could easily with that out maybe like play a planeswalker crack two fetch lands and just that's kind of like doubling season like yeah get four loyalty counters onto your planeswalker and ultimate that turn yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of maybe I do play that card that removes counters from Planeswalker. <laughs> but the problem is it's a sorcery, so if they're gonna do that on their turn, you can't point. even yeah. Which was an point. instant. All right. Uh this is called Storm the Citadel. It is a green card, four and a green. Sorcery. Until end of turn, creatures you control get plus two plus two and gain whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls. Okay. So I, I thought this was in interesting and maybe usable in that creature-based decks a lot of times are able to bash in, but they can't like convert that into to advantage. To something else, yeah. Yeah, and being able to be like, boom, I actually hit you with three creatures and I'm going to destroy three of your things or one from each of right. you. I think Trample's very important as well in this kind of deck. Otherwise, you do have Aura Shards-esque abilities, right? And that's yep. pretty powerful. But in just straight, again, mono green, we've seen a lot of mono green stompy help in this set alone, even with the God Eternal uh, Ronus. So maybe that's the kind of card you would play in that deck. It also has sweet art. It's also defending player, right? So it, yeah, you, you can't a like player, hit you, you can't and then destroy you. Mel's thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's fun. Yeah. Maybe not the best. 
Now this card, I'm a big fan of Flux yeah. Channeler. It's kind of the blue version of the Evolution Sage we just talked about. Yep. Two and a blue for a two-two human wizard. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, proliferate. So in the blue red spells deck, or just any spells like with cantrips and a lot of mana, this thing could again bring your planeswalker to ultimate ability very quickly. I mean, you know what are non-creature spells? Planeswalkers. Oh my so goodness! So you cast a planeswalker and proliferate a different planeswalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh. My friend. Right. Okay. Proliferatum. Walkers. Doom, doom, doom. All right. The next one is Lazotep Plating. Big fan. One, one in a blue for an instant. You amass one. So you create a 1 1 zombie army creature token, basically. And it says you and permanents you control gain hexproof until end of turn. I like playing a lot of these kinds of cards like Heroic Intervention mm -hmm. and cards that just save your permanence. Now, not giving them indestructible, but instead hexproof is interesting, but I could still see this being useful, right? Someone tries to target your stuff in general, has lots of playing, both gets you a little a little amassed army. Also, the little twist here is it gives you hexproof as right. the player, so it can save you from targeted card uh, disruption, discard and stuff. You know, Craig yeah. likes to like mind twist people for like seven sometimes and so like i would like a lazotep plating to protect myself uh, from that gosh. he did that to me the other night well if someone also tries to proliferate onto you yeah did he do that to you the other night well i was winning i was winning so okay. he was like sorry dude and then maybe discard my hand and i'm like okay then somebody wheeled a couple a couple turns later and then he goes sorry dude and again went to mind twist the rest of my hand luckily i had a counter spell the second oh, time but geez. i was like geez <laughs> by the way he's not sorry when he says he's sorry like that not, yeah, he's, he's not actually, sorry at all. It's funny because he always has this gleeful like, yeah. <laughs> sorry, man. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. This is great. I'm doing it. All right, next up. This is a very powerful spell yes. here. Narset's Reversal. Blue, blue. Counter target spell. Just kidding. It's an instant, and it says, copy target instant or sorcery spell, then return it to its owner's hand. You may choose new targets for the copy. Josh, how do we break it? There's a couple ways. One is the base level of this is basically counter somebody's spell and copy it for yourself. So mm -hmm. expropriates a really good one, right? Uh, kind of vendors it back to their hand and then yep. you make a copy of it. The way to break it though is with sort of fork spells and things like that. So a fork spell with this will allow you to cast a spell, Narset's reversal that spell back to your hand and that effect's still gonna happen. Now mm -hmm. fork my Narset's reversal. Targeting. Targeting my Narset's reversal so that that can target the fork and bring both of them back to my hand. And now I've just played three cards that all went back to my hand, similar to Feather. Mm -hmm. And then I can just keep doing that. Also, Narset's Reversal, if you can bring it back with a card, like um, there's a whole bunch of cards that like basically give you an instant or sorcery back out of your graveyard. Right. So it can allow you to play the same instant or sorcery just like every turn. Because think of the cards like, and I'm we keep saying expropriate. It's just the, the go-to card for like very powerful effect. Think of cards like that, though, and oftentimes the way that Wizards um, templates those is in a manner so that they're harder to abuse now. So they exile themselves after use. Right. Yeah, well, this bounces it back to your hand. Before it lets it resolve fully. Yes, So yeah. and makes a copy of it. And so what happens is it doesn't get exiled. And so that's how you can get around this whole, we don't want you to play this again and again and again. Well, expropriate with a fork and Narset's reversal, and it's just over. 
It was Actually, it's just over when you cast the first one. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but Karn's temporal sundering, or yeah. some, you know, different cards like that. The fact that you can do it to someone else's big time spell if they try the mass manipulation or blatant thievery, right? Those are also cards that you can steal. Yep. Uh, and so there are a lot of cards in that world that you know, just taking it for two mana is pretty good. It does bounce it back to their hand, but the chance of them being able to recast like a nine mana spell probably not that high. And you get that effect before they do, so now they're like maybe dead by the time it gets back and they right. can cast it again. Like, right. Yeah, that can be insane. All right. The next card is Spark Double. Three and a blue. Creature Illusion, zero, zero. You may have Spark Double enter the battlefield as a copy of a creature or planeswalker you control, except it enters with a 1-1 counter on it if it's a creature. It enters with an additional loyalty counter on it if it's a planeswalker, and it isn't legendary if that permanent is legendary. So you get to have two planeswalkers of the same or two legendary creatures of the same. This is one of the best clones ever made. Yeah, for sure. Jacob. It's, it's the same cost as a regular clone. Clone. Yeah, which is four mana. And it makes a better copy because it's plus one counter or additional loyalty. And it does the Helm of the Host thing. Yes. Makes it so you can have two of it. Like, you can have two Vile Smashers, which is those... There's certain ones... Like, two Thrasios is not that much better than yeah. one because it doesn't... But two Vile Smashers is way better because I cast a seven CMC spell and I do 14 uh, damage uh, to my opponents. Yeah. Yeah. Sakashima's really good, yes. but it doesn't copy Planeswalkers. Yeah. So that's actually really interesting. It is, of course, a creature you control, so there's a little more limited there. But I think this is a definitely a pushed card. I the, could see the Teferi decks like that running oh it and that kind God. of stuff because it's just like... Yeah. More Teferis, untapping four lands, drawing untapping two cards. Untapping things, you yeah, know, like yeah. it's insanity. Uh, yeah, so there's a whole bunch of things this does that I think a lot of people are going to want to... If yeah. you want two of your <laughs> of your, uh, of your commander... It's definitely just straight up one of the best clones ever made, Yeah. Though. Nothing beats Dax Duplicate, though, guys, just saying. Actually, that goes that better. Yeah. I don't know, that was crazy. All right, now we're on to our gold-colored cards, multicolored, and then we're going to do artifacts, lands, and then talk about the set. So first up, we have Casualties of War. Two black, black, green, green. It's a sorcery, and it says choose one or more. Destroy target artifact, destroy target creature, destroy target enchantment, destroy target land, destroy target planeswalker. So that's five total effects you could have, or you could just do one of them, which is great. Decimate is one of those cards that looks awesome, but you have to like have to- Every have once in a while, option. you don't either don't have enough targets or one of yours has to be one of the targets. Yeah, or it all has to go at one person because they have all the targets. Like, Sorry. So Casualties of War, it is it is a little overcosted though. It's six mana, but if you could do all five of the things, it's extremely powerful. Six mana, destroy five different permanent types is strong. Yeah, for sure. Six mana doing three is probably acceptable too. Yeah. I mean, even two. Wind Grace's Judgment exists, which is a five CMC and an instant, and mm -hmm. you get one permanent from each player. Right. So you can't destroy two of the same, but I think that's probably a little better than this, but this is still good and pro probably going to be cheaper than Wind Grace's Judgment. Yeah. And I think you'll find a lot of times playing this, you'll be like, sweet, this is going to do a lot of work. All right. The next one is Death Sprout. One black, black, green. So four mana for an instant. Destroy target creature. Search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle your library. So this is rampant growth plus uh, murder. Yeah, so murder is one black black, or it could be cast down for one in the black, yep. and then black and the green is rampant growth. I like this card a lot because I want a rampant growth. I also want to destroy creatures. This mm -hmm. is doing both of those things, mm -hmm. and it's an instant to boot. Yeah, and typically if you have mana dorks, they're coming on turn one or two, which means you're casting Death Sprout by three. Black and green are already the strongest color combination, and they just keep printing these Assassin's Trophy, Assassin's Trophy right. Wind Grace's Judgment, Death Sprout type of cards. I'm like, can we give uh, can we give Boros some of those things somehow? Like, yeah, yeah. 
And black and white doesn't need more things that do this, but I guess, hey, why not? Let's give him another one. And this one's only two mana. And this one's nuts. I, I think this is actually a, probably the fatal push of the set for Commander. Um, D-Spark, it's black and a white for an instant. Exile target permanent with CMC 4 or greater. That's you, a lot of stuff in EDH. I mean, this probably, right now, we've got Anguish Unmaking, Utter End. Uh, yep. This probably pushes Utter End out, right? I don't know if it does. I think you still just want to play all of them because Utter End does get anything. This is target True. permanent. You just add it. Unless you have, it a, yeah, there's no lands that this is going to really affect, right? No. That CMC4 or greater. Utter Ends and Anguish and Making already can't hit lands. Yeah. So, like, what do you. Like, you're not losing that. So, you're losing basically one, two, and three CMC stuff. I guess you just have to look at your meta and see how often you're getting rid of a one CMC or two, three, or CMC spells. You just don't want to pay three and four mana to do that anyway. So, yeah. like, this is two mana, but I mean, Exile instant it's gonna get rid of most of the problematic things and is uncommon that's really good yeah i think this is like i think if i could only run two of the three i'm running anguish and making it in this and other ends on the sidelines mm -hmm. but you might be right i might run all four or all three but yeah yeah d spark though jeez i really like the card a lot black and white just always getting these effects and it almost seems a little unbalanced because every time i play against a deck with black and white i just know that none of my permanents they can saved. answer whatever you do pretty yeah. much yeah Okay, so Boros is going to get a little help here. We've got Heartwarming Redemption. It's two That's red... That's what Wizards is saying about Boros. This <laughs> Please, is a Heartwarming guys, Redemption. We're redeeming Please. ourselves. We gave you Feather. We gave you this. Now we got this. It's two red and white. For an instant, discard all the cards in your hand, then draw that many cards plus one, and you gain life equal to the number of cards in your hand. So, so this replaces itself because you're casting it. So if you have six cards, this goes down to five, and then you draw six. Yeah, so you draw the equal amount of cards, you gain the life, and it's an instant. So you don't your window of uh, exposure is small. And it's four mana. Yeah. So uh, this is the type of effect I think does help because when you get too many lands in your hand or just a bad hand, you can kind of get yourself out of that situation where right yeah. now Boros is just like, if you're stuck with a bad hand, you're, you're stuck. just stuck there. Yeah. yeah. If you're Boros, you play this card. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you don't have many other options, so it's kind of nice because it makes deck building less, at least a little easier. All right, Merfolk Skydiver. 1-1 one, one for a, gr a green-blue for a 1-1 one, one with flying. When Merfolk Skydiver enters the battlefield, play a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control, and it has the activated ability to proliferate for three, a green, and a blue. So uh, just even the two mana one, one card that comes down adds a one, one counter. If you have plus one, plus one counter synergies is nice. Uh, being able to proliferate on a stick too. Never yeah, and it doesn't tap it. So if you create infinite mana, you're going to be able to ultimate right. any Planeswalker that you can get out. Basically. Oh, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Um, okay, this next one's, I think, sneaky good mayhem devil one a black and a red for a three three devil whenever a player sacrifices a permanent mayhem devil deals one damage to any target mm. so if you can get into these infinite sacrifice loops you'll just win yeah because you can just have mayhem devil hit players but also like just treasures and you know normal sacrifices grave pact um Dictative Erebos type stuff. You're just going to be like, oh, I sacrifice creatures, so do you three. I get just get four damage out of that. Yeah, it's a bit of a rampaging Ferocidon kind of thing. Yeah, it's I, like I, a damage. I think that card is quite good, and you can point it at creatures, so you can work with people. Like, hold on, don't crack your fetch land until my turn. I'll crack it. We'll do two damage to that Oracle of Moldiah or right. that Lavinia or whatever you've got. That Gaddic Teague. Dude, look at the look at what he's riding on. <laughs> he's like riding. It's like a, a unicycle, unicycle with spikes. With spikes. <laughs> That looks dangerous. 
Yeah. But Mayhem Devil, you know, he likes to live dangerously. It's true. And the, the flavor text is even when things are destroying the city, Rakdos is like, we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to the party. <laughs> All right, next up is Roll Reversal. I really like this card. Blue, blue, and a red for a sorcery. Exchange control of two target permanents that share a permanent type. So I love swapping things. I think it's a really fun way to get around, like, you know, you can give them something really crappy for something amazing. Maybe your, all your new Planeswalkers at one loyalty can't use it anymore. You switch it out with something else. Um, just a fun card in general. I think these are really good for lands because you always have a crappy land. Yeah. You always have like a regular and basic land or yeah, something yeah. like that. And there's often a good land get an ancient out there. Get an ancient tomb. Get a maze of it. Get a Gaia's Cradle. Also, uh, denies them that thing because they don't have it anymore. So, yeah, I, I really like that card just literally only to take lands. Yeah. Uh, also, it can take everything else too. So, <laughs> seems good. Also, tra- you've got a treasure token. They've got a painted harmonicon. Well, I'll Woo! trade you. All right. The next oh, one is- Zedru too. Oh, yeah. It's really good in Zedru, obviously. You're right. going to give them stuff they really don't want mm-hmm. and get something awesome, yeah. Time Wipe is two white, white, and a blue for a sorcery. Return a creature you control to its owner's hand, then destroy all creatures. I like this card So a lot save too. your best thing and, uh, and you know, blow up everybody else's board. Uh, Murph came up with some good ones for this. There are creatures that, when you play them, they get sorceries back from your graveyard, like ah. Archaeomancer and... Monoqual. So you could board wipe every turn. Salinger of Secrets. Yeah, yeah, just do that. Get the time wipe. Play it again. Maybe if you had a bunch of Planeswalkers out, start doing that, and nobody can get to them. Pretty oppressive yeah. in that case, yeah. So that's the type of thing you can do with this. Uh-huh. All right, now we're on to our Artifactos before uh, hitting up our lands at the end here. We're going to start off with God Pharaoh's Statue. It's six mana for a legendary artifact. I believe this is where Fibblethip is on the new Totally oh, Lost yeah, card. Oh, yeah, you're He's right. right. He's like statue. crawling on yeah. it. Yeah. I wonder if you can even see him on the art. Maybe not. Uh, spells your opponent cast cost two more to cast. At the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses one life. So it's an expensive staxy spell. Still pretty good. Yeah. But making all their spells cost two more. Yeah. Each spell, right? Not non-creature. I think it's well spells. worth the six mana you put into it because if each player casts one spell, you, you broke even. Time, yeah. Right, right. And it's going to just turn off a lot of things, right? Like, mm-hmm. you play this on, even if you played on turn six, they can't play their six drops. That's true. If you're definitely trying to play that repressive Staxi deck and you, you rush this thing out, it's great because it's, again, only affecting your opponents. Yep. So, and it incidentally just drains them of a little bit of life slowly. Yeah, that part I don't think matters as much, but it, it you know, it's annoying. Mm-hmm. All right. The next artifact and the last artifact is Firemind Vessel, four mana for an artifact. It enters the battlefield tapped, which is a downside. Uh, but you tap it and add two mana of different colors. So it's like uh, Gilded Dynamo. Gilded Dynamo. Gilded Power Stone, maybe. But two different colors is great. Gilded yeah. only adds one color. Um, and again, if you're if you're like looking to build a five-color deck and don't have access to all the lands, you're going to need to run cards like this. Yeah, I think this is a decent budget option. It's not great, obviously, in the highly tuned deck because it does come in tapped. But, yeah. you know, a lot of people are coming to Magic all the time, don't have all Gilded Lotuses and stuff. This is a fine replacement. Super fine. All right, lands time. We have a lot of lands in this set. Yeah, and they're all pretty interesting. Uh, first up is Blast Zone. It's a land that enters the battlefield with a charge counter on it. Not tapped, notably. You can tap it to add a colorless mana. You can also pay X and X to tap it to put X charge counters on Blast Zone. Remember, it comes in with one. And you can pay three and tap it to sacrifice Blast Zone. Destroy each non-land permanent with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on Blast Zone. So this is like a modern card, uh, but in a land instead. And yeah, it's like Ratchet Bomb a little. Yeah, Ratchet. It's like those kind of effects. 
Hey, you get a board wipe kind of on a land or at least targeted removal targeted, on a land. Yeah, even targeted like all five CMC spells, basically. I mean, you can always add stuff to this on your and someone else's end step. You can wait. Um, I think this is really interesting. I, I like the fact that this is on a land. Yeah. You, you never really see this kind of widespread effect on a land, which is pretty neat. It, it creates a lot of versatility in deck buildings. You know, where like green decks have trouble with that kind of effect. Yeah, totally. Just when they're mono green, so even, they can do even it. mono red, right? And now yeah. you can finally get rid of some enchantments. Specific things, yeah. It's like, oh, that's four CMC. Then I'll just mm -hmm. get there and get that. Yep. The next one, a lot of people uh, when it was re when it was spoiled were tweeting oh, at me about it's all it. All you. It's emergent zone. It's a land taps for colorless or diamond mana, but you can pay one and tap and sacrifice emergent zone, and you may cast spells this turn as though they had flash. So. It gives you Vidalcan Ori for the turn. Yeah, and we play cards like Winding Canyons, uh, Alchemist Refuge. Yep. This can go in any color deck, so expect that card to probably rise in price over time. I think that's a it's it's a it's a definite sleeper slash just good card for EDH. Yeah, sacrificing is a cost, but generally you can set up a situation where like I'm gonna do that the end step before my turn, get a ton of value, untap, mm -hmm. win on my turn. Yeah, and if you can replay the card, then even better, obviously. Yep. All right, Interplanar Beacon. This is a Planeswalker land. It's a land that says whenever you cast a Planeswalker spell, you gain one life. You can tap it to add colorless mana, or you can pay one and tap it to add two mana of different colors. Spend this mana only to cast Planeswalker walker spells so planeswalker fixing five color planeswalker decks i think it's just one of those lands you want to auto include how many planeswalkers do you think you need in a deck before you can run that card six or seven maybe i guess if you're commanders of planeswalker no you can't do that it's brawl yeah um well some some plane like yeah but they're all one color uh no i mean not two. Oh, um, right, right yeah right, the right. new ones the new ones yeah the bench the bant one too i think if it's aminatu how many planeswalkers is it enough that just your plan your commander is or i mean you, need, you also need like five or six in the you deck? want to gain the life off it too i think you really need a bunch to really make that useful it, it's basically super so you friends. need 15 ish yeah because it's only going to work for planeswalker spells okay we'll ask a similar question after this card it's karn's bastion it's a land tap it for diamond or colorless mana but you can also pay four and tap it and proliferate so proliferate on the land. Very uh, interesting and yeah, colorless, no very less. powerful. I you guess can obviously plus some counter decks. Um, would experience counters. Would you put this in an experience counter deck? Yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to get experience counters after a certain point with certain mm. commanders, yeah. right? Yeah. And if you just have the extra mana lying around, like in the Mizzet deck, you could totally play this because you're just going to, it's two color and there's a lot of time you're never using your mana during your turn. So in a turn, proliferate. True. Make everything cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. How um, many planeswalkers do you need to run that? I don't know. A Same lot amount? Still. 15? Yeah. I don't even know. Maybe a little less, if it depending on what other things in your deck or your meta proliferate can really affect. It could be really good with creature plus one counters too. Yeah, because sometimes just it can just add twelve power to the board or whatever. And just infect, right? Craig yeah. has to play this in every single one of his infect oh, decks. Oh, Craig! He has no. to. He just he just has to. <laughs> no. There's nothing he can do about it. He's got to do it. All right. So that's all the cards we're going to talk about for this set. Um, we had to cut it down by a little bit. So if there's anything out there you'd you know you think should have been mentioned let us know yeah let us know we like to do um sort of wrap up like best of mm -hmm. so the first question we're going to ask is what is the best new legendary creature in the set um countdown okay i think we both have to come to agreement on i this think one. so three two one feather, feather. yeah we've I, never seen anything like it yeah i think feather is awesome very exciting i think niv mizzet's probably the runner-up yeah um, Niv-Mizzet, yeah, I can't really think of many other 
I mean, unless Super. unless Neheb. Mo Mowu, just because he's so cute as a little doggy. <laughs> yeah, Neheb, Neheb is definitely up there too. It definitely helps Red out. I think that's the reason that we like Feather so much is just yeah. it gives Boros and just a, a fighting chance in a lot of ways. It's always fun when a card um, comes out and it does something and it allows you to play a bunch of cards that were never. Uh, really usable before that right right like a whole class of cards combat tricks are just right, not being right, used right. and that feather says go use all the combat tricks go so. use all of them do all right do what it. do we think is the best overall card in the set i think the best one's... overall karn it's karn <laughs> Car, Car. <laughs> it's definitely karn um <laughs> no it's ugin <laughs> it's oh is it okay <laughs> wrong <laughs> um yeah i think we have to come to agreement on this one too it's just so good. All right, three, two, one. Bolas's Citadel. Citadel. Yeah, that card. It's the only one that really screams like "Play me in Commander." It screams broken them, right? to me. It's I think just it's like a little too good, but it just cheats mana cost and it has all. It's the, card draw and cheating of mana cost on and the same occasionally thing. life drain. Ugh. So it's just got not life drain, but life loss from your opponents by making them lose life. Best art in the set, I think, for me has to go to Deliver Unto yeah, Evil. I like Deliver Unto um, Evil. Who's who's is it? Seb McKinnon. Seb McKinnon. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. That or uh, Death Sprout is also pretty intense. I like to live around. Which is evil. also it looks like way, an old like Renaissance Seth painting McKinnon. or something. Oh, so, so Seth McKinnon that. is just the best art in the set. <laughs> and there's a lot of good art. I love what Jesper did for uh for um Fibblethip too. Yeah, Fibblethip is sweet. That's so such a Jesper looking it's, art too. Yeah, exactly. Like, the colors and everything. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Very cool. Um okay, so if you want to pick up any of these cards, especially Bullis's Citadel is probably one you're gonna want to get. Mm-hmm. Uh Feather. Or all the cards that go into those decks too. Just go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. And when you use that affiliate link, you're going to order those cards anyway to build your decks. You just may as well simultaneously help the command zone, game nights, and all of our content keep flowing. We really do appreciate everybody that does that. Yep. And while you're there, Ultra Pro is really going all out. Uh, they are stocking the house and they're dropping the house in terms of products <laughs> for War of the Spark. And Spark. they are a house. They are a house. <laughs> well, Card Kingdom is technically the real house. It's they're a, a kingdom. kingdom. Yeah. It was just called Card My house. Kingdom for a House. Okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, so make sure you guys pick up some Ultra Pro product the next time you guys are shopping at cardkingdom.com slash command zone or at your local game store. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a playmat collector, so I was so happy to go to PAX East and get these guys. Uh, very exciting in general. Just like cool new art. It represents me in a lot of ways. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay. We already did an end step in the last episode, and we're doing two episodes for this, so we're going to skip the end step. I got a good end step, because you do have one. We'll save yeah, it for yeah. the next one. No, save no, no. no, no. It's, it's really good. Okay. Twitter. You can find us on Twitter. Okay, at CommandCast, at JF Wong, at Josh Lee Kwai. You can also find, <laughs> you can also find our uh, esteemed associates from our sister podcast, Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman. They're on Twitter, at the TheMMCast. And you can also find their podcast on Stitcher, on iTunes, on YouTube. If you just type in Masters of Modern, they're mm-hmm. going to have... All of the latest and greatest about how all of these cards are going to shape and alter and evolve the modern format. They're also going to be talking about Modern Horizons since it's uh, on the horizon. So definitely go check those guys out. And they're on Twitter at the MMCast as well. Our editors for the show are Ashlyn Rose, Josh Murphy, and Jared Lafreniere. A friend to all of us. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. We're not. Yeah, we've got a lot of people working on these episodes because we're putting out extra ones, and they're yeah. long. They are very long, yeah. and there's a lot of graphics and a lot of cards to talk about. Special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer. 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 Stay calm. Stay calm. Palmer. Get palmed. Good. He makes good. stuff behind yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a deflecting palm. Okay. There you yeah, go. Jeffrey yeah. deflecting Palmer. Um, he makes the living card animations uh, behind us. Way off the rails. On the screen, man. We're like four hours deep in podcasting today. <laughs> Oof.
And you can also find his art at the beginning and outro of our videos at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. We are ready for this podcast to end, so make sure you follow Jeffrey at Twitter, at LivingCardsMTG on Twitter. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you at the War of the Spark. Peace. Bye. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.